Welcome to the CFB Dynasty Podcast with hosts Matt Knowles and Brian McElfish. All right, everybody, how you doing out there? This is the CFB Dynasty Podcast. This is your host, Matt Knowles, alongside of CFB Dynasty creator, owner, founder, overlord. Over on this side, Mr. Brian McElfrish. BMAC, how are you doing today? How are you feeling after week one of the college football season and week one of the college fantasy season? Well, I had a, a great time in the swamp, obviously, with uh, Florida pulling out a great game. Um, I watched a ton of football, so I came back. And obviously, I watched the noon games, then drove up to Gainesville. Um, the next day, I watched Alabama against Utah State. I watched uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State game, and, and a few other games. And then we've got the, the nightcap there, Sunday night and Monday night. It was awesome. I caught a ton of football. How about you? So I was, uh, I was on the soccer field. My daughter was playing in a, uh, a high-level soccer tournament. So I watched some of the games on my phone sitting outside in a 105 degree heat index. So that totally sucked. Uh, had to watch my boys try to lose the game as hard as they could. I will get to that in a little bit here, um, but got to see them actually pull out the win. Um, but then I got to spend, uh, spend the night on Saturday with a bunch of Florida fans with a 70 inch TV, watching them love their game. Mm-hmm. And then got to watch that crazy uh, LSU game with them as well. Um, just, just completely nuts watching these things. I uh, got to watch a lot of games, watched uh, some of the Boise State game, talk about a team that just underperformed. Like, I, I could not believe how bad they were. I think, uh, I bet you that Bachmeyer was probably the lowest ranked quarterback in uh, college fantasy football this week. Uh, he, he was in the negatives. Yep. But uh, overall, was overall, it was, overall, it was good. My, uh, my fantasy teams didn't exactly perform so well, but you know what? That's how it is in week one. Week one, week two, week 12, talk about complete crapshoots. It's but, uh, a struggle every year not to overreact, but it is it is a real thing. Don't overreact to week one or week two. You've got all these crazy mismatches. You've got teams um, that are playing against top-level teams. Like you got MAC teams that are going to blow up here in week three and four that are just struggling the first couple weeks. And it's just how it is. Um but I do want to overreact on a few things. We'll get to that oh, in a minute. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's a couple of things I want to overreact to, too. Uh, but yeah, like I said, we, I know we want to get down to it. I know that uh, people want to get down to the information. So why don't we get right down to it? I know we got to let's go back and let's recap some of our thoughts from week one. So why don't you start? <clears throat> DJU, he's not it, man. Um, at Clemson. I think Club Nick's going to end up winning that job. He just... It's just not – there's no rhythm with the Clemson offense when you watch them. And uh, it's it's kind of sad to see that um, with, you know, the team that they have, their D-line or defense in general is fantastic. Shipley out there, they, they kind of weren't as tough on the O-line as you would expect, and I, I think that's going to change because they have some great players. But Shipley's yards per carry wasn't great. Um, they did mix in three running backs, which – kind of hate to see that as a fantasy guy but how about you what's something that stood out to you let me tell you about dju i I feel i feel for him because if you put him on a team that had a a bad history with quarterbacks and you're like oh great we have dju this is awesome but you have like a generational college quarterback and trevor lawrence and you got to follow that up 
most of the time in college football, unless you're Alabama right now, most of the time in college football, that guy that comes after the generational quarterback doesn't fare so well. And it just unfortunately is DJU. Mm -hmm. So, uh, My big thing, um, the thing that drove me crazy this past week was how the ACC was just far too special. You got North Carolina, North Carolina State, Florida State. Every one of those teams had to either have special teams blunders or special team stops at the end of the game to win a game. That's crazy. And you look at the opponents that they had other than FSU, they should have freaking crushed them. North Carolina, what are you doing giving up nearly 40 points to Appalachian State in a single quarter? What are you doing? Why are you returning an onside kick? All you need to do is down the ball, game over. These are the kind of things that are not going to get you to a college football playoff. I don't care how many teams are in the college football playoff. you got to be smarter than that. Yeah, that was rough. Oh my goodness. North Carolina in general, like their offense is fantastic for fantasy. You got to love what you see out of Drake May and out of both of the freshman running backs. But dang, that defense is pretty terrible. <laughs> but I think, I think you go back to what you said earlier, you know, don't overreact. It's week one. I mean, they, they dropped a ton of points, but don't expect that they're going to be dropping 63 points every single week. If you're going to go out there and expect 63 points out of them and very pedestrian games out of their running game, that's yep. probably not what North Carolina's offense is going to be. Right. Yeah. Hopefully they'll be able to improve and improve that defense a bit. Um, another thing that stood out to me was just a reminder that O-lines can really kill your fantasy value. If you watch the LSU offense just struggle all night, like it doesn't seem too hopeful that they're going to have, um, you know, a great rushing attack this year. Um, sure, John Emory Jr. is out. Um, suspended still for the first uh, few weeks, but they couldn't get anything going. And the quarterback there was running for his life the whole time. And for me, the effect was awful. I lucked out in in our league with, um, you know, I had Boutte and Worthy who were elite, elite starts going into this week. And they probably combined for about five fantasy points if you're in a one-point PPR league. It was insane. Yeah, they uh, they definitely they definitely did the same thing that, that uh, Tillman did at Tennessee. I was expecting big things out of him. It just the ball just didn't go his way. Yep. But uh, let's go back to Boutte. I know you got some feelings about uh, about Boutte and his his post post game actions. Let's talk about him. <laughs> well, first of all, during the broadcast, they kind of changed the way they pronounced his name to Boutte. And uh, that's always frustrating. It's kind of like Romeo. We always called him Romeo Dubs when he was in college. And then in the NFL, he, he corrected it to Dobbs. And it just, it's not spelled like that. And it's weird. Anyways. Um, <clears throat> yeah, like he deleted all his stuff off Instagram, Twitter, whatever. You just don't know. It's just uh, emotional things. Apparently a couple other LSU wide receivers did the same thing. And they're playing it off as if they're just all focused in now. So we'll see. It's one of those in fantasy. It's like, all right, do you bet on a bounce back? They're playing against a, a school they're going to crush this week. Um, well, if you have a terrible line, you might not crush anybody. But <clears throat> they should crush this week. So do you put Boutte in the starting lineup as a bounce back player? Or do you kind of leave him on the bench? And that really just depends on, on how good your bench is. Yeah, I was gonna say it's kind kind of hard to to bench a guy that is an elite talent like that, even if he is acting uh, acting a little dramatic. 
Right, yeah, it's one of those that if you've got them, you spent a lot of draft capital on them, so you kind of you might need to play them depending on how big your league is, but something to watch for sure as we go into week two and, and kind of see if they can get some chemistry there. Like, they're fighting on the sideline and, you know, not giving great effort, and it's new coach, and it's week one against a really good team, uh, like a historically good team at least. Like, weird. Weird to see that, but... They definitely had a culture issue. That's why Brian Kelly's there. So I think I think they'll get it figured out. But I think their ceiling is, is pretty low this year at LSU. Um, another thing that stood out, alongside Klubnik looking good, like Drew Aller looked really good when he came in for a series uh, at Penn State. So I think those two quarterbacks are going to be, you know, they're pretty locked into the future there of their schools. And uh, Nick Singleton looked really good, too. Um, <clears throat> another, another thing, let's see. Um, Berger, Jalen Berger at Michigan State. Like, he pretty much seemed like he's the guy. Uncle Joe's going to complain about him because of the, the weird trade we had in the offseason. But he got great value from me for a fourth-round pick getting, uh, getting Jalen Berger. Um, so, let's see, another one would be, like, we're at the game that I was at, Anthony Richardson, you can call it Homer, not really, like, he looked great. He's, no, Anthony Richardson looked great, and I'm not, I'm not a Homer, Anthony, you can say whatever you want, he, he looked really good, man. Yeah, and, uh, I listened to, um, always college football or whatever, Greg McElroy's podcast, and he's, kind of analogizing AR to Vince Young, and I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, people see some some Vince Young, some Cam Newton, some Lamar Jackson, but he, uh, he threw the ball so well. He was crisp, he was on target, and uh, just all around fantastic game against a really good defense. Like Utah, and especially in fantasy, like Utah has been one of the top defenses, top five for a long time, um, but he looked to be the part. Um, what about Tay McWilliams? Did you see the the, the Baylor game at all? Like he, I, I did he not. Was, I did not get to see it. I was out there, like I said, in the sun, so I missed that yeah, one completely. They didn't perform that great. They had a freshman come in, Reese, um, near the end of the game, so it's more backups involved. But he looked a lot better than Tay McWilliams, so that's one to watch to see if if he ends up winning that job completely but the Baylor O-line wasn't dominant and that was kind of surprising against an inferior opponent I tell you one of the things we didn't put on the list that I definitely do want to mention is uh I definitely was a little bit bummed about the uh, performance of Malachi Corley this week at Western Kentucky mm -hmm. but I think historically there is uh some precedent for what happened and it all has to do with Hawaii if Hawaii is traveling to the mainland normally Hawaii has a a dip in their statistics you look at uh, Chevin Cordero last year, he was he couldn't even hold onto the ball on the mainland last year playing against Wyoming. Um, so Hawaii, when they travel to the mainland, normally their stats take a dip. If you're a team that's traveling to Hawaii, like uh, Western Kentucky, who started a game at midnight Eastern, normally a team traveling to Hawaii has a dip in their statistics, and that's exactly what happened this week. So I'm trying not to overreact about uh, – about Malachi Corley only uh, getting three fantasy points, but uh, it, it is a bummer after he had such a good start to the season, but I got to keep in mind, he was traveling to Hawaii, ridiculously late start time, uh, but always keep that in mind that if, if you know, if you, Hawaii is on the schedule, 
think about where the teams are playing because that can have a big impact on the statistics. Yeah, yeah, that's good insight. A um, couple other teams that were impressive, and this stuff matters to me. Like when you're looking at fantasy and you see, um, you know, LSU's O line struggle, that matters a lot. Uh, so UC was really impressive, Cincinnati against Arkansas. They replenished way better than I thought they would. I kind of thought Arkansas would would run away with that or would kind of dominate them and, and run away in the end with a, you know, uh, a, like a rushing attack that they couldn't handle. But that wasn't the case. UC was impressive. They're going to be really good. Ben Bryant's going to be solid in fantasy. And, and if you can snag Kiner, um, if he's out there in your league, definitely someone worthy to grab. He looked really good. And, I'd say uh, I, got, I got a little nervous with Kiner, though, man. He, uh, he had that injury. Mm-hmm. Looked like he, was, he he got up like he had blown his knee out. And I was like, come on now, don't be doing that. <laughs> but I agree. I agree. Kiner has a chance to be a, a blow-up guy by the end of this year. Last one, and then we can get some news and notes. Arizona was another one that was really impressive. Jacob Cowling, uh, uh, what we would expect from him as, you know, the numbers that he put out before. But now at Arizona, going to a team that had an over-under win total of two and a half wins this year. They already got one. Um, I did bet the over, so I'm, I'm happy about them getting their first win. But uh, Cowing looked great. That team with Delora and everything, they're, they're going to surprise some people this year. Um, so I guess anything? we can go on to – my bad. So I guess oh, we can go on to the good. news and notes. We got, the, we got our list, our recap from last week. Um, not really much else I want to say about last week. I'm, just, I'm glad my team got a W. Not glad how they got the W. Um, that was tough. I really feel bad for the kicker out there, uh, Daffer, because he's Daffer. He was a good kicker. He just had two very unfortunately poorly timed bad kicks. Yep. And uh, I know people are going to be, uh, you know, eating that poor guy up. And it is just college football. He is he is a young guy. You know, let's keep it all in perspective. You know, he he made a lot of kicks that a lot of people are not normally going to make. Um, so give him some credit. You know that I, I feel bad that the win came that way. I mean, I'll take it, but um. You know, yeah, that that was that was unfortunate for him. And then the punt returner for LSU, talk about dropping a couple of balls uh, like that. I'm come on, ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, like I said, we want to get onto the week. news and notes, and we got a big thing that we all know happened this week in college fan college football, which could actually have a big impact on college fantasy football down the line. And that is finally the conferences have gotten their heads screwed on straight and said they want to go from a four team to a twelve team playoff. If you guys watched the the early iterations of this podcast, I don't even remember, was it a year ago? Was it a year and a half ago? I think it was a year and a half ago. Sometime a long time ago, uh, myself and Brian and Zach Tower on here, and we talked about how to fix college, uh, college football and the championships. And uh, I was a big advocate for expanding the college playoff. To go from four to 12 is huge because now even the little guy has that faint glimmer of hope that if they go undefeated in their regular season, they might have a chance of making it to that big dance and be in the Cinderella. In college basketball, you got, what, 360 teams that are D1, and everybody has a chance to feel like they can get to that 68 teams in the uh, in the in in March Madness. Doesn't mean they have a chance to win. They might go in as a number 16 seed, have to play in a play-in game, and then go get obliterated by the number one seed, but they still made it. So now, I, I'm going to be, oh, if you had some other points. There. No, let's, so I'm going to be, gonna be totally, totally opposite. So 
<clears throat> I'm just, I'm not a big fan. I've kind of been swayed. You know, I've, I've, I'm a big fan of uh, Josh Pate and Late Kick, and he talks about this all the time, about college football is, is unique. It's about Saturday. It's about, you know, your team, your traditions, and it's about Saturdays in the fall. And that's like the, the peak of the season. And the cherry on top or whatever is the playoff. It's, there's very few teams that can actually compete and win the title year in and year out. Um, it's going to be fun. The, the playoff is going to be fun. And I will watch it. And it's going to be uh, some great matchups. You know, when you see, you know, a team like, you know, maybe six playing seven or whatever, that game is, it's going to be freaking great. And it's going to be intense. And the fact that they're putting at home stadiums, got to do it. Like, that, that part is so huge. Uh, it's just different. Like, if the game that I was at Saturday, Utah, Florida, if that was played in, in Dallas or Atlanta... It wouldn't have been as fun um, at all. Like, you've got your unique games that are that are great. You know, obviously, uh, Texas, Oklahoma is, is great how it is. Florida, Georgia is great how it is. <clears throat> but yeah, I just I want I don't want the regular season to ever get watered down. That's what I don't want to have happen. Well, and I agree with you on that. I just think that um, being in the Southeast, which we both are. Um, you know that teams from our conferences are always going to have a chance to be represented. And it doesn't matter who it is. There's always going to be somebody from the SEC or the ACC, Big Ten, even though it's not our area, they're always going to have a chance to get there. And nine times out of ten, those guys are going to be the ones that are going to win the championship. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why the Alabamas are the Alabamas and the Clemsons are the Clemsons. But think about in sports – who do you really talk about? You talk about the Cinderella's. You talk about Boise State beating Oklahoma. You talk about NC State beating uh, Houston in 1983 and the Five Slam Pajama team that had, um, you know, multiple NBA Hall of Famers on there. Those are like unbelievable moments in sports when you get those things every once in a while. And going to 12 teams, I would say nine times out of 10, you're going to have the same guy still be in the final four, and that's fine but you're going to have a chance to see every once in a blue moon, somebody's going to pop out of nowhere, uh, Nevada that may have a, a generational diet quarterback or, uh, you know, or somebody that's going to pop out of the big 12, even a Cincinnati from last year, you might have a chance for one of those guys every once in a blue moon to get there. And I think that's going to help recruiting. I think that's going to help the, uh, the transfer portal because people know that no matter where they go, they're still going to have that shot if they really do good and everything falls in place to get to that, to get to that end goal. Yeah, we'll see. One of the things he cautions against too would be, or Josh Pate, I'm referring to, would be the the term "meaningless playoff game." If that becomes a thing, um, that will further diminish the the expanded playoff. If it's you know, number one Alabama versus number twelve whoever who just doesn't have a chance, like um, that will further kind of hurt the playoff if those games aren't competitive. And really, the playoff games in the first round haven't been all that competitive, even one versus four. Um, some of them have been. You know, the first one, I think, was was it Ohio State with Urban Meyer? They they won the playoff as the four seed. But yeah. um, I think that's been the anomaly. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm leery of it. Uh, I think it'll be fun. But 
I'm not like fully fully bought in there. Well, there's I know there's going to be a lot of a lot of changes, a lot of a lot of more uh, news and things like that about that playoff. I'm really excited to see how that happens and and also how that affects the conference realignment insanity oh, yeah. that's going on right now. Hopefully that helps to stabilize it a little bit because if teams feel like they have a chance of that big money at the end of the season, they might be a little more apt, a little more apt to stay in their conference. That doesn't mean they won't they won't go anywhere. Right. But at least gives one more nugget for them to stay where they're at. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, all right, let's get into some uh, player news and notes here. News and notes. So, Matt, how do you feel about Sam Hartman coming back? You know, I think this week. I think that that's a, a great thing. Obviously, you know, as an ACC foe. Not happy in that respect, but as a, a fan of humanity, I'm glad to see that that a guy that has uh, put his all into uh, being a great college quarterback is able to get back out there on the field. Um, it sucks to see somebody like him or, or John Mechie um, have uh, have a major health scare, and uh, really, you know, feel for those guys that have done a, have done a lot to to excel in the sport. So I'm glad to see that Sam Hartman's able to get back out there and uh, and hopefully show what he is. I mean that. From a fantasy perspective, that changes everything. I know that we downgraded um, a lot of Wake Forest players when Sam Hartman went out. I think that every single one of those guys, A.T. Perry and whatnot, they all get to uh, kind of escalate back up the board just a little bit now because they know exactly they're going to get their quarterback back. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. As soon as the news came out, uh, a couple guys on the Discord channel beat me to it and posted it in there, so I appreciate that. Um, I always love when people can beat me to, the, to posting the news. Like every... When the news comes out, you'll see us posting in there in the the conferences, um, the conference channels in our Discord, and uh, love it when people can beat me to it. So uh, we did, and we updated. At Perry moved him way up compared to kind of where we had him. Um, some other news and notes here. <clears throat> um, I'll get through some of the guys who not not everybody, but people who you know are more relevant in, in fantasy. So Austin Bolt, uh, tight end slash wide receiver. Uh, for uh, That's how he's listed in Fantrax. He's technically a receiver. But um, injured on the, in the second half for Boise. Season-ending surgery. And he was one of those potential boom guys that you could have and stash and play in that tight end spot depending on your league rules. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, Boise. Boise's offense does not need to be losing anybody. That that was probably one of the most disappointing games of the weekend. Um, just watching their their team completely imploded in that game, and it was, uh, I mean, they, probably them and Utah probably had the two worst showings of the week. Yep. Um, all right. So Jaleel Billingsley not dressed in the post game, and then was was announced that he's he's got a six game suspension. Um, so don't start him for a while. Um, stock up for, uh, Jatavian Sanders there. Um, Charlie Brewer from Liberty, the quarterback there had won the starting job and now he is out six to eight weeks with, uh, surgery. Relique Brown from USC, the freshman got a touchdown, struck the Heisman pose, and then he was carted off in the fourth quarter with an ankle injury, but 
He was spotted in practice yesterday. I saw a tweet from a USC writer and a video. Uh, looked like he was limping a bit. Had like a some sort of a, a boot or a taped up ankle, um, and he was practicing. I would. It it did look like he was kind of uh, laboring a bit. I would certainly not start him in any league. Um, he's a freshman, anyways. Looks like he's gonna potentially be great. Um, Clifford should be good to go. He was just dealing with cramps that was reported in the last game when Drew Aller came in. Um, but he got hit pretty hard. Um, so Pitt got Rodney Hampton, who looked fantastic against West Virginia in the opening game. And he it was kind of a surprise to see him take most of the running back one carries. <clears throat> but he left the game in the fourth quarter. Um, he had a boot on his foot and supposedly is going to be good to go this week against Tennessee. Um, but that's something to kind of uh, be cautious about. Um, <clears throat> Tajon Henry from Houston, running back. Um, he missed most of the game with an ankle injury. No real update there. Uh, Jalen Knighton, he was dressed. He warmed up. And then after kickoff, you could see he was not in uniform. And apparently he's dealing with some sort of injury, held out as a precaution. And if that's the case, then Miami's got an outmatched opponent this week that maybe that'll happen again. So a uh, little concern there with, with Knighton, but we'll see. Ryan Montgomery, running back Cincinnati, uh, went to the locker room in the second quarter. He was ruled out, so Kiner stock up there for Kiner. Uh Chandler Morris, TCU, quarterback. So he left the game in the third quarter. Um, briefly stayed in, <clears throat> went to the trainer's table, and just had a tweak in the knee. Um, not sure if he's going to be ready to go for the next game or not. Um, Puka Nakua, wide receiver, BYU. He ended up, after getting hit, taking a, a pretty bad hit, he went... To the locker room, came back out, no pads. He had crutches. Um, they say, though, he could have returned, and x-rays were good. So we'll see if he's ready to go this week. Tyler Shuck, um, Texas Tech, he is going to be out for at least a couple games after an injury from the first quarter, and Donovan like took over, and he's going to be the starter for now. Definitely worth a waiver wire pickup if you can grab him. Jackson Smith and Jigba left the game uh, against Notre Dame and briefly re-entered the game, but then he basically wasn't able to actually run or play well. Hopeful for this week, but uh, not quite sure there. Agbuka really had the most catches, most touches, most... Uh, most targets and uh, stock up Agbuka, especially if you're looking for a DFS guy if, if Smith and Jigba is out. Um, and then Sean Tucker for Syracuse. He left the game in the second quarter, and then he was able to return, and he said nothing major. Should be good to go fully this week. But that's about everything. Anything else that you wanted to note there? Yeah, just a couple of quick notes like um... – if you're somebody that's got LSU's defense that you decide you want to play, LSU had a couple of uh, couple of interesting situations that happened this week. You have their defensive linemen celebrating a tackle 
blows his ACL or and he's oh. out for the year. That's ridiculous. And then you have probably one of the dirtiest helmet to helmet plays I have ever seen with Ali Gay on a on the Florida State's quarterback. That was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. Uh, he launched himself straight up into the quarterback. He's going to have a. Um, he's going to. Who, who was talking out here? He's going to have himself a. <laughs> he's going to be suspended for the first half of their next game. But that is the kind of hit that could potentially in the future get more than a single game suspension. Because that was probably the worst targeting hit I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah. That's what they're trying to legislate out of the game. So. From a fantasy perspective, you're got you're down a couple of good players on on LSU's defensive side. Just keep that in mind. Yep, yep, one hundred percent. Trent Penix, who was uh, NC State starting H back, out four to six weeks with a uh, with an arm injury. Um, that definitely doesn't help their offense. That that stalled out in the second half. Um, Chris Tootle's probably going to be taking that position over, but Chris Tootle's still listed as a wide receiver, so um, really don't have an option to be able to play at that at that tight end position for NC State right now. Dang, that's rough. All right, everybody, now it is time for what you guys have been waiting for. It is the week two rankings on this podcast. We're going to go over the top five at a couple of positions, and then we'll talk about a couple of other players uh, that, that may have slipped through the cracks. We'll look at some waiver wire gems. Uh, and don't forget, we will also get to the week two BMAX brisket lock, that new segment that everybody's out there uh, really excited about. BMAX brisket lock. We got to get some brisket lock shirts out there, man. We got we to do something <laughs> for the brisket lock. Anyways, yes. after that little technical difficulty we had, that when you guys see this, we're going to cut that whole section out. You guys have no idea how long that this break just was. You're going to think it was one second, but trust me, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, BMAC, let's go to those college fantasy rankings that are listed right now for subscribers on CFBDynasty.com. Uh, yep. what, what you got? Yep, if you're following us on YouTube, you'll be able to see it. You'll probably see more than the top five because we'll be scrolling through it. But... Uh... First, at quarterback, um, and you know, part part of the rankings is just how confident you are that, that they're going to do well, and I couldn't be more confident than Bryce Young for Alabama at Texas. Uh, Texas is going to get Bama's best shot. Um, it's a huge um, spread of 20 and a half points right now. And so that puts the final score around 38 to 17. I think it's going to be worse than that, honestly. Uh, I think uh, Bryce Young is just going to torch Texas. Um, number two, we've got Hendon Hooker at Pitt. And Tennessee, man, their offense has turned it around in a hurry. Um, <clears throat> they're so good, so consistent. Um Bryce Young, by the way, had 53.8 fantasy points in week one against Utah State. Oh, I would not be surprised if he uh, mimicked that performance against Texas. So Hendon Hooker had 34 um, last week and has a much tougher opponent. This is a really big game at Pitt. Tennessee's favored by a touchdown with the over-under being 65.5. So it's going to be a shootout. <laughs> Pitt's going to try and run the ball. Um, and uh, it's, it's, 
you know, with the spread, it looks like it's going to be around 37 to 30. Um, going to be a fun game, and that's a 330 game at Pitt. I think, I think that that's a good example for those people that are out there having the overreactions about week one. Tennessee was not playing a very good opponent in week one. Hendon Hooker didn't have to do a whole lot. Yep. Now you come out against a tougher opponent, he's probably going to have a better statistical day because he's going to have to actually have a lot more of that game on his shoulders. That's probably going to help out somebody like Tillman. Um, so, yeah, I'm really interested to see where that game goes, Tennessee at Pitt. Number three, we've got Will Rogers, Mississippi State. Um, it's at Arizona, so it's going to be a better game than people think. The spread for this SEC team going at Pac-12 Arizona is only 10 and a half. Um, so <clears throat> Will Rogers with 44 last week. Um, the over under 62, it's going to be a shootout. Really similar score projection for uh, as compared to the Tennessee Pitt game. So it's going to be like 36 to 26-ish. Um, going to be a good one, a fun one. Um, at number four, I've got a, a bounce back player, CJ Stroud uh, for Ohio State. They get Arkansas State, <clears throat> and their timing was off. There's no question about it. Notre Dame did a great job. They were really good defensively and, and had a great plan. But with Jackson Smith and Jigba going out early in the game, new receivers stepping in, uh, their timing was a little off. I'm sure it's going to be uh, on point, certainly by October, November. But I think you're going to start to see it this week against Arkansas. They're going to want to get that confidence rolling along again with the offense. So I think they're going to put up some big points. There's no spread on this game. It's going to be a total bloodbath for Ohio State. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And then number five, I've got Caleb Williams for USC at Stanford. <clears throat> this one's a little riskier. It's It's got a big spread. USC is favored by nine. Um, so the projected score based on the, the over-under and the spread would be USC 37 and Stanford 28. But it's at Stanford, night game. Uh, Stanford's going to try and run the ball with Emmett Smith's kid, EJ Smith. So uh, a little bit, little bit concerned there with Caleb Williams. But you know, statistically speaking, he's going to be a fantastic start this week for USC. And normally we only go over the top five at a position just for timing purposes. But I think that uh, two of the next three guys on the rankings are very interesting. You got Drake May from UNC uh, playing, you know, at Georgia State. Mm-hmm. Um, after yep. the game that North Carolina just had this past week, who the heck knows what's going to happen? I think that that's probably going to be the biggest question. Is he going to put up huge numbers again, or are they going to actually be able to go out there and uh, and handle an opponent this week? Yep. Um, and then your number eight, we talked about him earlier. You got Sam Hartman jumping all the way back up to number eight in the rankings, yep. uh, coming in against a Vanderbilt team that scored 60-plus points in, in uh, week zero. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see if he's able to come back off of this health scare that he had and be able to jump right back in and uh, perform at that kind of level. So it's a really interesting to see up through that top eight um, how those guys perform. Yeah, and if for whatever reason you're really struggling uh, at quarterback and you need to try and pick someone up to, to cover you for a couple of weeks, we've got Donovan Smith from Texas Tech. We mentioned him earlier. Um, <clears throat> he'll, he'll be starting this week against Houston. That'll be a big game. And then my, my brisket lock will get to it. That's another quarterback as well. Um, 
I did include some not ranked players. So these are players that might be like sort of next up, but not really ranked. Um, they'll be, <coughs> they'll come in handy uh, for DFS rankings when we put them out a little bit later this week. At running back, we've got a guy that was on the injury report last week, but he is vital to this new look Syracuse offense, Sean Tucker. Um, he's not only is he going to get a bunch of touches on the ground, he's going to be one of their premier um, targets as a receiver. So, man, if you're looking at six to ten extra catches for a running back of his caliber, that's killer for fantasy. Syracuse is at UConn. Um, he put up 33 last week. Syracuse is favored by 22. Um, expect a big game out of Tucker. Yeah, you got Lou Nichols at number two. I think that uh, playing in South Alabama at home and after Central Michigan's performance in week one, showing they can hang with the big dogs, this could be uh, this could be a massive, massive game for Lou Nichols. If they come out and play like they did in week one, that they're probably, I would say, probably one of the most impressive teams for me in week one because how they hung around, they could have let that game get away from them. They could have just folded the tents and just been like, yeah, we're going to get our butts kicked. Let's take our money and run. And they put a scare out there, man. They, they scored a lot of points in the second half. So we'll see if Central Michigan is going to be able to uh, to turn that into a, a victory and some more points against a lesser opponent in South Alabama in week two. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Disappointments, we didn't talk about them, but holy crap, Malik Cunningham. What happened with Louisville? Oh. Um, he's not even ranked right now in terms of starts. He had three fantasy points. Um, I had a really good DFS lineup with him on it that would have been elite and won a lot more money if he had put up anything close to his average. Um, but yeah, that was awful. And yeah, we did that. We did not talk about disappointments. I'll throw a quick one out there too. Iowa, what in the world? Scoring seven <laughs> points on a field goal and two safeties? Come on, man. I'm like, that was it the first time in 25 years. I mean, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sorry if I didn't get the number right. But first time in a long, long time that a college football team scored seven points without it being a touchdown. Mm -hmm. uh, they're getting roasted on social media as well they should. But for them to have to get a field goal and two safeties to win that game, that's, that's just silly. At number three, we've got Braylon Allen. Had a, like a 98, 99-yard touchdown last week for Wisconsin. Uh, went on to total 20, almost 27 fantasy points. And uh, they're, they're playing Washington State. Ground game's going to be a, a big one. Washington State's not going to be able to slow them down. That'll be a, a great uh, start. High probability of a, a big game for Braylon Allen. And then Chase Brown for Illinois. Illinois is actually favored to win a game. Hooray for Illinois. Um, they're playing against Virginia, and they're going to try and control the clock. Uh, Virginia is not going to be able to stop them on the ground. I expect a, a big game from last week's brisket lock, Chase Brown, who's just right. proven to, like, he was a sleeper for us, even though we had him ranked in the top 20 running backs going into the year. He is probably going to be an every week starter, um, you know, ex unless they're playing against, you know, Ohio State or Michigan um, or potentially Wisconsin. But, and then RB5 didn't even score a touchdown, only scored 10 points last week, but Jameer Gibbs is going to get featured against Texas. So I expect him to uh, to just crush it this week. Um, all right, at receiver, um, let's go with number one. Why don't you introduce us? 
All right, number one receiver. I was high on him in the uh, in the preseason. I picked him up in, in every draft that I'm in. Uh, I love looking at the guys that are on the the little guys. James Madison, the uh, the most recent team going from FCS to FBS. James Madison was a solid FB, FCS school. Now they move up to FBS. Their number one player is Chris Thornton. He absolutely went berserk when I saw BMAC's uh, CFB Dynasty rankings. I was super happy to see my boy Chris Thornton as the number one guy up there. BMAC, let everybody know why you have him as the number one guy at wide receiver this week. Bunch of targets, 12 touches, a lot of yards. He's going to get their deep shots. He's going to be their their main guy. And they've got a good offense. Um, and they're playing against an outmatched opponent this week. So he had 39 and a half fantasy points in week one. Wouldn't be shocked if he did it again in week two. And this um, is a team that's having to prove themselves. They're not, uh, yeah. hey, we got to go rest our starters. That's a team, hey, we just first year in FBS. We got to show people what we're about and try and get some national attention so they can start getting some press. So he's probably going to be playing full games. Yep, 100% agree. Um, at number two, I've got Jermaine Burton. It's, it's my probably my favorite stack of the week this week would be uh, Bryce Young to Jermaine Burton. But, uh, yeah, he had a couple touchdowns, um, and that's all fine. A couple short touchdowns and a few catches, but 18 fantasy points last week. They <clears throat> just they had a little disconnect on a couple deep balls that were, you know, end zone shots that, you know, when they get their timing down between Bryce Young and Jermaine Burton, that's going to be a special duo, I think, this year, and we'll see it this week against Texas. Um, Bama's got other receivers that are good. Uh, Treshawn Holden is is up there. He had 21 fantasy points and had more than Burton. But I think Burton's going to be the guy uh, based on you know what I saw in that game. Um, Jordan Addison uh, at, uh, at Stanford this week. Uh, he had 20 points last week in fantasy. They're favored to win. That'll be a, a great stack, too, between Caleb Williams to Jordan Addison. Got A.T. Perry, moved him up to number four. They're playing at Vanderbilt this week. Vanderbilt's done a lot of traveling. Uh, A.T. Perry only had six points last week. And uh, we'll see. We'll see how um, you know they look with Hartman coming back. Um, but I think it'll be great. He's only missed one week, or, well, one game week. So we'll see. And then fifth. Rasheed Rice for SMU. He had 26 and a half points. Um, they're playing against Lamar. I think he's going to get his points early and uh, potentially won't play the whole game. So that's a little bit of a concern, but uh, statistically, he's a great start. All right, guys, we are not we are not out of time yet. We are definitely in the last quarter hour of this uh, this podcast or less. Um, BMAC, do we have the waiver wire gems ready to go? And uh, we could talk about them in rapid fire. We, 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 ah, waiver Rap wire for week two. Rapid fire, yes. They're they're on they're on the, the website, but yeah, so you know, normally this is all based on data. I like to base everything on data, but Fantrax's rostered percentage isn't even populating yet. So I'm kind of just taking a guess here at some guys that I assume have a smaller uh, you know percentage rostered here so we've got drake may todd Canteo from <clears throat> james madison donovan smith at texas tech nicozy perry he's looked really good they've got yeah. a easy matchup this week um he's averaging 34 a game and he's one of the few that's played two games already 
JJ McCarthy, who's also my brisket lock of the week. That's right. Ding, um, ding, ding. Brisket lock of the week right there. <laughs> BMAX brisket lock. JJ McCarthy from Michigan. Let's remember he, that name. Tell him why he's the brisket lock. He's getting a start uh, for the first time uh, this week, and they're playing against Hawaii. Um, so he's a different quarterback for Michigan. He's electric. He's a really fast, good runner. I expect him to, you know, as a true dual threat, I expect him to get some yards and touchdowns through the air and on the ground. He only had 12 points last week, but he didn't start last week. So this week he's getting the start for the first time. Looking forward to it. And let's also remember Um, we talked about earlier, it's Hawaii coming to the mainland to play against Michigan. So Hawaii is probably going to have a little bit of a dip there in their performance. So that also bodes well for him. At yeah, a Michigan. quarterback point against Hawaii. Michigan's got a super easy schedule. So I'm just going to uh, – Clay Millen, I expect him to kill it uh, this week. He only had seven points, but he played against Michigan last week. Um, so can't expect Colorado State to do great there with a freshman starting at quarterback. But uh, he looked good, and, and they'll be good. Um, so some others that we have listed at running back – you know, Rodney Hammond, Jalen Berger, Corey Kiner, Christian Turner, Montreal Johnson, Jaden Ott, uh, Marion Hampton, George Petaway, all players that are probably on the lower end if they're even drafted. So they might still be out there in free agency. If they are, they're definitely worth a look depending on your league rules. And then a receiver, to name a few, Torrey Horton. Um, we had him ranked pretty high, so he might not be available in your league. And he did put up 16 fantasy points last week against Michigan. But I expect him to be their wide receiver one at Colorado State. And he'll have a good connection with Clay Millen. Um, Justin McGriff, Javon Baker, Brew McCoy, and then Charlie Jones from uh, Pitt. Transfer in. He looked really good. Had 27 last week. And uh, we'll see if he can keep that going this week. I know that was pretty quick. We're us going through those uh, waiver wire gems. We wanted to make sure we got them into this podcast. Yeah, we didn't want to run out of time like we did last week when it came to the uh, questions from the uh, from the, the Discord. So we wanted to make sure we got to those questions from the Discord. So that's what we're going to do right now. That's some great questions. So uh, let's go over to the questions uh, from from the uh, the Discord out there. And be Mike, when we're done with this, let's show everybody how to get to the Discord. So if they want to join up. They want to be involved in the community and they want to see if maybe they're questioning and get into the podcast. That's where to do it. We'll talk about it after we get to the questions. Yep. Perfect. So um, looks like the first question we got uh, from Zach, from ZR Tao, CFF Zach Tao. He uh, does some stuff for uh, CFB dynasty as well. Uh, does Reese white still produce when Bennett comes back into the fold at coastal Carolina? Uh and I think I think he will. Like I think he has to. Like his production will come down. He's not going to get to 34 fantasy points a game like he got last week. But um, you know, uh, Grayson McCall is coming back. I think from a so- uh, shoulder surgery, shoulder and surgery. they're going to run him less than than they did. Maybe by the end of the year it'll be different. But right now, I think Reese White is a great pickup, and uh, yeah. I I like him a lot there for Coastal. And you look at their their passing game has lost a lot of guys. They a lot of guys graduated, went to the NFL. Um, so yeah, they're there. That's where their strength is right now is that running back core. Mm-hmm. All right. The next question, another one from Zach Tao, is uh, if you had to bet money on one team not currently ranked to win the Natty, who would it be? Now we're going to put a slight caveat on this. This question was asked prior to Week One, when we just had the preseason polls. 
So the answer for this one was probably set up based on the preseason rankings. So BMAC, who would you say, if, uh, is the, what's your answer to that one? If you had to bet money on one team I currently ranked to win the Natty, who would it be? Yeah, and, and if you saw the interaction on Discord, you know Zach's trying to goat me into saying Florida. And that's probably who I would have picked, honestly. it's Florida's not going to win. They're, they're not deep enough to win a national championship. Really, the answer is nobody. Um, but yeah, if I had to pick somebody in the preseason, it, it would have outside of the top 25. So you're looking at, I think, Tennessee potentially was outside the top 25 in the AP, uh, just barely. Uh, Florida... Auburn. Um, I, I didn't see there. There's just a dark horse isn't going to win the title. I don't think, but if you're looking for someone who's got like a, a generational quarterback that can potentially do it, maybe it's Anthony Richardson and uh week one kind of backed that. I, I would, I would say nobody because Florida certainly doesn't have the depth for it. They would have to be perfectly healthy all year long and they still wouldn't do it. But um, that's who I'd pick. Do you have anyone? I, I think that Florida jumping from unranked all the way to 12 after the week one performance, that's pretty unheard of to see somebody make that kind of jump. And if you go to 12 after week one, you know, the, the sky's the limit. I mean, you're right there in the ability to be able to make the college football playoff. And that's all you got to do is get to that dance. Yep. Yep. Honestly, for, for Florida, you're looking at next year, hopefully if, and the biggest, you know, Florida's doing great in recruiting. The biggest recruiting job they can do is, trying to squeeze one more year out of Anthony Richardson. And it's weird to say that already after like his first game starting this year. All right. Next question here. So uh, rebel nut on the discord says, who are your biggest potential flops this year? He asked for three at a position. We're just going to give overall two or some of your biggest flops. You think flop flop potential. Uh, so I had these listed last week going into the pod before we ran out of time. So no, I made no changes here. Um, Brennan Armstrong, um, I, he, we had him listed at quarterback 10. Um, there's a propensity for him to not perform at that level because of the O-line. They lost six of their top six offensive linemen. Um, and that's, that's really hard to replace. And you see, if you watch the LSU game, you see how dramatic of an effect it has on the whole team and, and an inability to move the ball. Um, and then I also listed Jackson Dart, who I also own him in a few leagues, and I, I'm pulling for him. He looked so good at USC, but uh, just hasn't looked great at um, Ole Miss yet. Week one didn't really help out a ton. So Jackson Dart we had at QB 14 going into the year. Uh, I, I'm worried about him there, honestly. Um, at running back, I listed Jerry O'Brock from Iowa State. Just want to see how good that offense does with all the pieces that they lost and if he's going to actually maintain the starting job. They've got Cartavius Norton there and another freshman who are going to get some good touches, and we'll see if they beat out Brock. And then... <clears throat> I've got a few at receiver, so Dontavian Wicks, you know, with UVA, just because of the Brennan Armstrong thing. I, we've talked about that. Penn State wide receivers in general, I don't know if someone's going to take on that Jahan Dotson role and be that guy, or if, you know, those top two guys will kind of go back and forth in fantasy. If they do, that's going to suck. And then USC receivers that aren't uh, Jordan Addison, like Addison is going to be the guy. He was the Blitnikoff winner. He's super good. 
Is Mario Williams going to be consistent enough in fantasy at wide receiver two, unless you're in best ball? Um, and all those other, you know, star players that have that they have at receiver, just don't don't see it happening. And I think Addison will be the number one guy. Mm-hmm. And that I could even be wrong on that. Like maybe maybe it shifts between Addison and Mario and others, but um, that one's rough. All right, next question we got is from I am not Hawaiian. Who are the top scoring fantasy freshmen of 2022? Talk about a legitimate. Go get out your Palantir. Look in your crystal ball. What do you think, BMAC? So the two that I had listed prepared for last week, um, one of them scored a touchdown in his first game, Luther Burden, Missouri. Um, He's just going to be their main red zone target. He's tall, fast, can jump. Like he's, he's, he looks the part of a five-star freshman and he's going to be the go-to target there. So I feel confident in that one. And then Nick Singleton at um, Penn State, and he did. He got touches in the first quarter, um, and, and that was awesome to see. He looked good, and then Penn State kind of sputtered around a little bit. Um, you know, another one to look out for, Evan Stewart. He got some deep shots um, during the game, and and they, they weren't great throws, overthrows, underthrows. Um, if they're able to find the right quarterback, it, maybe it's Haynes King, maybe it's not, um, that can hit those deep shots. Like Evan Stewart could be great this year too. So we'll see. All exciting to watch. Love the question. Thanks, William. So Ruslan has got a, uh, a great question here. This is definitely something that I wanted to build on, on the question. Uh, chances of Brooks coming back in 2023. Who's a better pick from the rest of the UNC running backs in dynasties and redrafts, whether there's going to be a running back by committee or not, et cetera. And uh, that's definitely something I wanted to talk about too, because coming into the season, I think that Petaway and Omari Hampton, they're talked about, these are going to be the next one, two punch at UNC. And if you go look at their stats from last week in a 63 to 61 game, those two guys combined for 14 carries and 51 yards. So uh, that's, that's not exactly what you'd expect out of that out of that pairing that's been getting so much press. So, BMAC, what do you think about the UNC backfield and their future potential? So, I like Petaway a lot. He looks really good, but I kind of hearken it back to the time with Javante Williams there and, oh, what's his name currently at the New York Jets? Um, that ah. was there. The Thunder and Lightning that they had. I yeah. think Omarion Hampton's going to end up being the guy that you would want to roster if I had to bet on it. That's who I would take. He's going to be the red zone guy, and he's also going to get you know more touches. He's shown he can catch the ball. Um, I am a Michael sucker Carter. for My, yeah Michael, Michael Carter. Carter. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I'm a sucker for the speedster at running back, and Petaway is definitely that. But I think Hampton's going to be the better play. What do you think? Hey, let me tell you this. I obviously think Hampton is because I listened to your advice, and he is one of the three pickups that I made. Um, I've got far too many freshman running backs on my team, but I don't think that freshman that my team is going to compete this year for a championship in the home league. So I've got three freshmen. I've got Chase Martinez um, and then uh, Ashton Beatty and now Amar and Hampton, all three of them on my team. Hopefully those three guys can, uh, can produce for me so I can build it, be building for the future. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. See here. So the next question, which is the last question, actually we already had that one. Yep. The question was, um, was from Zach Tao. Yeah, it was so good. We actually got it on her twice. So 
since we've already gone through the questions, if you guys want to see a question get featured on the show, make sure you get your butt out there to the Discord, to CFB Dynasty. Interact with the group. Go to the hashtag podcast section and uh, ask some questions. Let's see if we can get it featured out here on the podcast next week. So, uh, BMAC, I know you want to put a really quick DFS plug in here. Uh, let's talk about DFS real quick. Uh, give us the plug. Yeah, so just uh, we're, we put out this content uh, once every week. And, and our, we're going to get into the normal flow of content uh, producing as there's no more Monday night games in college football. So no more Sunday games. So <clears throat> we're basically going to have waiver wire gems on Sunday. Then we'll have rankings later on in the week. And then typically late on Thursday is when DraftKings and FanDuel have their values out for the whole Saturday. So later in the week is when we'll produce our DFS content. And it's uh big improvement on last year and uh we are giving you guys more data to play with in there and uh look forward to your feedback hit us up on the discord if you have questions or if you're looking for something specific let me know and uh we'll, we'll work it in there all right bmac so uh we're down to the end of the show had a lot of fun today um if people want to reach you specifically uh where can they find you on social media at CFB Dynasty. Uh, yeah, just hit me up. It's typically me that's uh, responding there. And uh, if you go on to the Discord, you can actually message you privately there as well under Brian McElfresh. Yep. Um, I'm up there on the Discord as well. Uh, if you want to message me on Twitter, uh, you can go to at Dr. Anguish. Um, if you want to uh, take a look at any of the stuff that I do in content creation, I'm uh, a part of In Symmetry Creations. If you're anywhere near the DeLand area this weekend, I will be a guest down at Daytona Beach Comic Con. I will then next week be at Ocala Comic Con. So if you're at either one of those shows in the Central Florida area, come on out and let's talk some college fantasy football, get a picture or whatever it may be. Um, and hopefully you're going to see me back next week saying I got a W in the home league because this week was pretty pathetic. <laughs> yep. All right, Matt. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right. Good stuff, guys. Everybody out there, have fun, and let's have some fun with some college fantasy football. See ya. See ya.